0: So we're in the last week of this series, uh, The House of David. And it's been a long one, but man, it's been a good one. Uh, the House of David um, really sets up the story for Jesus. Je- there's, there's prophecies. Well, as we keep going through the Bible, we're going to find uh, these other books in the Bible that talk about um, uh, these prophecies that of the coming Messiah, right? And so we know there's this theme of Israel seemingly messing everything up all the time, right? And so they started off in sin, and everything's like this downhill trajectory. And so what happens is they start to get prophecies from the prophets of a Messiah, and that person is Jesus. Okay, and in these prophecies it says that the Messiah will come from the house of who? David. So meaning that that Jesus or, or this coming Messiah will come from the lineage of David. And so the story of David before and after is very important. And so we've talked about. Um, all the different characters. We've talked about Samuel. We've talked about Saul and David and Solomon and his other sons. And we've talked about uh, Elijah. Last week, we talked about Jehoshaphat, which is a fun thing to say. (coughs) This week, we're going to end it kind of talking about Elisha, but more so talking about putting the cherry on top. Is that cool with everybody? So uh, there is a... Let me fill us in where we're at, and then I'm going to read a scripture. And I forgot my Bible, so I'll read it off the screen. But here's what happens from when we were last in the story, right? We had Elijah, who was a prophet. He was the one who challenged the prophets of Baal. Do you guys remember that? And then we had Jehoshaphat, who uh, won a, a, a battle without fighting, with just worshiping. That was last week. And so what happens uh, now in between those things and and what's happening now is Elijah um, ascends into heaven. Outside of Jesus, this is interesting, outside of Jesus, Elijah is the only person in recorded biblical history that never died. He uh, was apparently such a good prophet that he just got to get a fast pass to heaven without all the pain and suffering, right? I mean, he had pain and suffering through his life, but he didn't have to die. It's very interesting, and before he did that, he called a young man named Elisha. I don't know if it was like, oh, your name's close to mine, and so let's do this, but however it happened, Elisha kissed his parents goodbye, gave God an offering, and and went to follow Elisha, and there's this interesting thing. Elijah knows that his time is coming where he's going to leave, and so Elisha says, Elisha, stay here. I'm going to this next place, and it happens three times, and Elisha says, uh, as long as I live and you live... uh, I'm going to follow you, so I'm not leaving. It's really interesting. And so he follows him, he follows him, and he follows him. And all along the way, people are telling him, the prophets are telling him, oh, your master's going to leave you today. And he goes, I know. And so he's following and following. And so Elijah says, well, I can't get rid of you. (laughs) And so before I leave you, give me something to give you, right? Tell me what to give you. And Elisha says, give me a double portion of your spirit. Which is such a good, like an interesting thing to say. And this is something, it's not even part of my message. I just want to say it because it's really good for you young people. Listen, I'm not your youth pastor so that you can one day live like me. I'm your youth pastor so one day I look at you and wish I would have lived like you. Does that make sense? And I'm, I'm not going to have any regrets, but I want you guys to take this thing so much further than I ever will. I want you to live life so much better than I have ever have. Why? Because I all I want to do is lay a foundation that you could stand on first, not have to build yourself. And so be bold as young people that when it's like, hey, Brett, you're my youth pastor. And so, hey, thanks for just putting on Wednesday nights. No, no, no. Be like Elisha. Hey, Brett, you're my youth pastor. Give me everything you got. Teach me everything you know. Right? Or, or or, a leader that you're close with, right? Ask them, you know. Kevin, just tell me everything you know. Your mistakes, your wins, everything in between. Tell me everything. Because I, I don't want to see you guys be people that live the same mistakes that I lived or, or settle for second best. Does that make sense? So be like Elisha. I want a double portion of your spirit. I want double your anointing. That's a bold thing to say, but he gets it. He gets it. And then there's this interesting story, a few stories. But it sounds familiar. I'll tell it, and you tell me if it sounds familiar. There's this widow. And this is Elisha, not Elijah. There's this widow who says, I'm in over my head in debt, and the debt collector is coming to take my kids from me. And all I own is one jar of oil. And Elisha says to her, go to all your neighbors, all your friends, all your family, Ask to borrow one of their jars. Bring it back to your house. Then go into a room, close the door, and start pouring. And what she does is she goes into a room with her sons she so starts pouring and fills every jar that she borrowed with this seemingly never-ending supply of oil. Does that story sound familiar? It's like the same story. So much so that when I was a kid, I thought they were the same story. <laughs> Elijah, remember the woman said, I don't have any more bread left. I have enough flour for one more meal, and me and my son are going to eat it, then we're going to die. He said, make me one. There will be more for you. There's never any. Same thing. It's interesting. Okay. Then there's this next story where there's a woman who says, I've never had a son, and my husband's old. <laughs> So, And Elisha says, well, by this time next year, you'll be raising a son. What? And then it happens. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Then he dies. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? Then she places her son in the room that she had prepared for the man of God. Sound familiar? And then Elisha comes, lays on the boy, chest to chest, mouth to mouth, all of it. Breathes life into him, asks God to, and the boy comes back to life. Does that sound familiar? It's interesting, this double portion thing. So let's throw up the scripture. I want to read it, and then I'll tell you the title of my message tonight. When the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. This is before he dies. Okay. He said to his father, my head, my head. He has a headache or something. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon. Then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the servants, and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and return. He said, Will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, It will be well. She said, It will be well. What did she say? The title of tonight's message is, It will be well. It will be well. So, I want to have a conversation about positivity and negativity. Can we do that? I'll have a few conversations tonight. <clears throat> so, I'm the type of person that I love to be really positive. I like to look at the brighter things in life. I like to... Uh, give people hope sometimes interestingly enough sometimes in my own life I'm not super positive but I like to be super positive towards other people's lives I don't know why that is but um, I'm not negative in my in my life I'm often positive Danielle um, will often tell me that I'm being very positive you know and when she's trying to bring a problem to me and I uh, and I actually hate negativity when when I'm around negativity, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me like fight or flight almost. Like I just hate when someone is perpetually negative. The sky is falling. This is happening. I can't get over blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't, uh, I'll help you, right? Because I'm a pastor, but I, it stresses me out. And let me tell you why. Okay. Let me tell you why. When I was a kid, The, re- the reason I'm so, I, I try to be so positive now is because I'm constantly at war in myself nowadays. I'm constantly at war with this little kid who was so anxious and so scared of everything that it was crippling. When I was little, uh, I saw in the news something about a drive-by shooting one day. And so every time a car would drive past me, I'd hide behind a, a street pole, like a light pole or I'd hide behind an electric box because I was afraid I was going to get shot. Um, I went on an elevator on a cruise, and it shook a a little bit. And so for like five years after that, I I would take the stairs. I didn't like going on elevators. Uh, I I was the new kid in school in sixth grade. On my first day uh, to school, I had to dump my lunch out of my brown paper bag so I could stop myself from hyperventilating because I was so scared of the first day of school. So I was a kid who was incredibly anxious and incredibly scared for irrational reasons. And I fought against it, and I hated it, and I, and I didn't want to be that person anymore. And so what I've done is I've combated it with obnoxious positivity. But sometimes it's not the best. Sometimes you got to keep it real. Does that make sense, everybody? We got to keep it real. But listen, if you're going to lean on one side or the other, I think God would want us to lean on it will be well. Not that it's all going to hell. <laughs> it will be well. You change the H to a W, okay? It will be well. But what takes us from. Unrealistic positivity to reality and God's miracle-working power is this idea called tragic optimism. It's an interesting concept. Tragic optimism meets us in, in, in reality between the world is collapsing on me and everything is perfect. Tragic optimism means that I know suffering may happen, but I know it will work out. Does that make sense? I know bad things aren't going to just dissipate in my life, but God has given me the power, the strength, and the ability to work through it, to get through it. That's what this phrase "tragic optimism" means. Okay, and so it's not uh, it's not unabided positivity where we're not being realistic, and it's not negativity where the world's falling on us because God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, and God hasn't. God says, "Be anxious for nothing." Right? The, so we're not negative. If we're leaning on one side or the other, let's be positive, but let's also be realistic that. God, there's a lot of preachers out there that will tell you that God doesn't want you to ever suffer. And God doesn't want you to suffer, but it's going to happen. Does that make sense? And so there's, there's, there's preachers out there that will be like, well, God has given you the victory. If you just declare it by faith, then, then you'll have all the money you want. You'll never be sick ever again. You'll have all these different things, and it's bogus. Because Jesus told me to take up my own cross. Because Paul told me to rejoice in suffering. So to act like bad things are never going to happen, that's not, that's not true. We have to be realistic. Bad things will happen in our lives, but I have something everybody else doesn't have. A hope for the future. A savior who loves me. The God of the universe knows my name and has good plans for me. And so even in the midst of, of all of it, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Because you're riding your staff to come for me. Does that make sense, everybody? It's this idea that, yes, my son is dead, but it will be well. She's not denying, right? Someone who's, like, who, who's, who's, who's painfully optimistic <laughs> or positive would be like, he's not even dead. <laughs> it's fine. Someone who's super negative is like, well, now I'm going to die. It was, it, was probably, it was probably COVID-20, and I'm going to catch it, and I'm dead too. But someone who's, who's walking in the goodness and graciousness of God and understands his miracle-working power says, yes, he's dead, but it will be well. So it's this attitude that I stand in the storm, And I say, come what may, I don't say, please go away. Does that make sense? I'm strong enough to stand in the storm. God's not asking us to be weak and avoid those things. God's asking us to be strong, which is something that society doesn't really want you to be anymore, if we could be honest. Culture is telling you not to be strong. If it's uncomfortable for you, get out. Right? I have friends who've like worked 12 different jobs. And every time I ask them, why is, why, what happened? The, it was just a toxic work environment. <laughs> and I really badly want to, it sounds like you're soft, honestly. <laughs> sounds like you've never had to overcome adversity in your entire life. Uh-oh. <laughs> we need to learn how to stand looking at the storm... And say, come what may, it will be well. Not say, God, <laughs> uh, whoa, hey, hello. Um, that's going to kill me, dude, <laughs> right? No, it's saying like, Lord, if that is what is in the plan to pass by me, then let your goodness be on me while it passes by. Amen. If we're always thinking that there is a way to avoid suffering, we'll never learn how to weather the storm when we're in it. It'll always break us. It'll always break us. There's lessons and rewards that come from suffering. This is why Paul says rejoice in suffering, because I've never gotten stronger from a a calm day. I've never gotten stronger from peaceful waters. I've never gotten stronger from a really easy test. I've gotten stronger when I failed a test and the teacher said, I'll give you another shot to do it again. Whew. Okay. Let's do it. I've gotten stronger when, 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 I'm, when I'm driving and all of a sudden, Danielle and I are driving on the way to our honeymoon and we go into a forest fire. It's red. <laughs> Ashes. Should we be here? <laughs> and I, I had to make a decision, right? Do I turn around, or do we weather the storm? We figure it out. Sometimes you need to turn around in that instance. But for me, it was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to go as, as, as we're going to push the line of, we're going to die, right? We're going to push the line of danger to get through this thing. And we did. Did I was like clenching my hand, like, <laughs> you know. But I wasn't afraid of it. Because I felt, I don't know, God will get us through it. Amen. A simple suffering that we must learn to do well is waiting. It's like the kid who's like your your, your mom's baking cookies or brownies or something. You're like, "Is it ready yet?" You know, it smells so good. And you know, if you if you if you open it up early, it's gross. You gotta wait the whole time. Good things are worth waiting. <clears throat> as a as a as a parent or as a youth pastor first and a parent now, I know when something actually matters to somebody, right? Someone will say, Brett, I want to be a youth pastor. Okay. Let's talk about this in six months. Most of the time, six months later, I don't know what I want to do with my life. (laughs) But once out of every 10 times, there's a kid who's like, nah, man, I got to do that and I know that they actually want it. Does that make sense? It's like When Vince gets older, he's going to be like, Dad, can I have this skateboard? I'll be like, okay, talk to me in a few months. Sometimes he'll be like, nah, that's cool. Sometimes he'll be like, Dad, I need it. <laughs> one of those things that I know he's going to need is a drum set one day, right? If I tell him no, a year later, Dad, got to have it. Does that make sense? If we're... If, God is sometimes asking us to wait for something so that he knows if we actually care about it. If we're like, God, would you give me this and this and this, and we don't have to wait for it, he didn't actually know if we actually wanted it. He does because he's all-knowing, but, but we sometimes find out three months into it, we didn't actually want it. We just begged God for it because our friend got it, and we thought it looked cool. So don't be discouraged by waiting for something. God, I've asked you for this, but it's not happening. It's not happening. Don't be discouraged by waiting. Waiting's good because waiting determines if you actually care about it or not. When Danielle and I were first started to date, she said, hey, can we meet up at Starbucks? I said, bet, shout I? You know? (laughs) So we rolled up, and she was stiff, man, like she... You know? And I was like, yo, you all right? Is the coffee bad? What's going on? She's like, well, I like you. I was like, cool. (laughs) I think you like me. Yes. But we're not dating. And we're not going to hang out as much anymore. We're just going to be friends for the foreseeable future. Okay, now I see why you were so stiff. I get it. So I had to wait like eight months until finally she's like, okay, you can ask me out. And I was like, yes, let's go. But listen, it could have very easily, and she knew this. It could have very easily three months later I found another girl. But it was her. So I waited. Does that make sense? But what happens is we live in this generation with microwaves and dial, and, and we don't have dial-up internet anymore. We got, like, the fast stuff, you know. And, like, if your internet's not fast enough, you're texting your dad, seriously, bro, spend the extra 20 bucks and get me better Wi-Fi. You know, it's like, whoa, chill out, bro. Like, the, I'll just reset the router. Dad. Our Wi-Fi is dog, dude. Like, you know, you're like just mad, you know, about everything. It's not happening quick enough. You're at school. You're like, the service here is terrible, you know. You're like, you you got like T-Mobile, and then then you're like, mom, we have to switch to Verizon. I can't call, I can't do anything. My, My Instagram keeps doing the little circle thing. I just can't handle it. And then God's like, would you wait? And you're like, no, I don't wait for anything. Why would I? For us, waiting seems like an immense suffering. (laughs) And it's really not. So we got to learn how to wait well. We got to learn how to wait well because culture's never taught us how to wait well. Cool. All right. Um, Where am I at? The whole New Testament points to this idea of enduring suffering. For the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ. So, now, in order for us to operate in this way, we have to have a supernatural hope. A hope that says, it will all be okay in the end. This is the hope of the Christmas season. (laughs) See, I've never preached a Christmas message, ever. So, there it is. That's as far as we're getting. That in a dark world, there's a loving God who gave us his only son, who that son happens to, just so happens to be the savior of the world. That's, what, that's why everyone is so happy during Christmas, and the lights are up, and everyone's all, even, even people who don't know what they're celebrating, there's, there's a difference somehow when Thanksgiving's over, and everyone goes and gets their Christmas tree. Anybody just feel happier once it hits December 1st. Why is that? Because the savior of the world. Because even people, if they don't notice, they're subconsciously, subconsciously turning their attention to the Savior of the world. It's like, man, there's a hope. If there's sometimes it's like December. I'm like, man, everyone's much happier now. You know, it's like why does it, why doesn't everybody like this all the time? Well, we could be if we kept our attention on the Savior of the world through January through November, right? Now to cap off this series. <clears throat> we need to realize that the house of David is all about pointing to Jesus. I talked about that earlier, the coming King. Now Jesus is a true king. He's like David, but better. makes sense? He comes from that lineage, all the all that good stuff. Jesus is a true king better than Saul, David, Solomon Jehoshaphat, etc. but he's also a true priest better than all of the house of Levi, the tribe of Levi. But he's also a true prophet, better than Elijah, better than Elisha, because why? Because he's God. A prophet is someone who is the voice, like the, the middleman between us and God. And it's great when the middleman between us and God is God. You know, it's It like makes it quite a lot easier for us to understand what God's saying because he just says it. And instead of someone being the, the, the hypothetical voice of God, Jesus is literally the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. John chapter 1. But how do we know this? This is a cool story. This is where it's going to all bridge together. In Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist asks, does everybody know who John the Baptist is? He's like smelly. He was a prophet, a uh, prophet. He wasn't like a Southern Baptist. He just baptized people. It's kind of confusing. Um, He did, I think, believe in the gifts of the Spirit. So anyways, uh, uh, (laughs) that's way over your heads. Okay. Um, So John the Baptist says to Jesus, John the Baptist is in prison. He's about to get his head chopped off, which is cool. Um, He sends a messenger to Jesus, and he says, Are you the one we've been expecting? Which is kind of weird because John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, by the way. So he sends this message to Jesus. He says, are you the one we've been expecting, or should we find someone else? Whoa. (laughs) I don't know how the tone was back then. Sounds a little aggressive to me, you know? Like, bro, John the Baptist, calm down, bro. Throw some water on it like you do everybody else. Chill out, right? He says, are you the one we've been expecting, or should we find someone else? And Jesus says this. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Tell them that. Okay, all right. What does that mean? What Jesus is saying here is you haven't seen anything like this since Elijah and Elisha. And the prophecies say that a, a someone like Elijah or Elijah is going to pave the way for Jesus. And so John asks him, are you the one or should we find someone else? And he goes, You've, it's me. <laughs> he said, this, 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 and this. I've done it. You've seen it. So he's saying, yes, I'm the coming king. Yes, I'm the coming priest. and Yes, I'm the coming prophet. And I'm him. I'm the Messiah. I'm all of them. So he's mimicking the works of Elijah and Elisha plus more. So, yes, he's telling John, I'm not just the king you're looking for. I'm everything else, too, because I'm God. (laughs) That's tough. Okay. Now, here's the most moving thing. This is the ending of of tonight's message. Here's the most moving thing. There's so much turmoil in all these stories we've been talking about. Genesis, Exodus, everything. Right? It's like slavery, it's like like wickedness in all the world. It's it's uh, Israel is liberated and then captured again. Liberated, and captured again in the the judges are bogus and the kings are evil. And David's kind of good, but if you really read it, he's really not because nobody's good. Like everything is messed up. Everything's jacked up. David's family's jacked up. They hate each other. They're cheating on each other. Just like this whole mess. Everything is awful. But the message is called It Will Be Well. How is it going to be well? Jesus makes it well. sin is rampant people do you guys remember when mogus mogus someone else did. No, i'm scared do you guys remember when moses begged god and he said show me your glory you guys remember that like he hadn't seen the red sea part and he hadn't seen a burning bush talk to him and he hadn't seen bread fall from heaven and he hadn't seen water come out of a rock God, show me your glory. If I was God, I'd be like, what? But he does, kind of. He says, well, you can't look at me, right? Moses is like, God, show me your glory, which he's basically saying, like, all this is cool, but show me you. God, I want to see you. I think deep down that's all of our desire. God, I I don't want the fluff anymore. I don't even want to hear Brett's messages anymore. God, show me you, which is a fair thing to ask. And Moses says, show me you. And he says, I can't. It'll kill you. I'll show you my back. Which is weird, but cool. So God passes by him like this. I don't know. He shows him his back. But Elijah says the same thing. God, show me your glory. Speak to me. So this mighty wind comes. But God's not in it. And this fire comes, but God's not in that. All these things happen, earthquake, but God's not in them. And then all of a sudden, he hears a still, small voice. So he just got a glimpse. And there's a story in the New Testament that I've never really understood. It's called the Transfiguration. Anybody ever heard of that? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've heard of the Transfiguration. Okay, here's what happens. It's crazy. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he goes up onto this mountain thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns from looking like a human to fully God, glowing. The glory of God is right before those three disciples. And guess who gets to be there? Moses and Elijah. And it's like so small and so simple, but Moses begged to see the glory of God, and Elijah asked to see it too, and in this moment when God in all of his glory shows up here on earth, he brings Moses and Elijah there to say, now I can show you. And it tells me that this story, the whole point of the Bible so far while we're doing this series is because it will be well. Even in the, in the worst situations in our life, even if you're looking at your own life and you're like, I wish I had this. I wish I had loving parents. I wish life was different. I wish I had this. I wish I had money. I wish I, whatever. I wish, I wish, I wish. It will be well. Even if when we beg for God's glory, he shows us his back, not because he's turning his back to us, but because if we actually saw it, we couldn't handle it. Even if we just get a glimpse of, here on earth the message is it will be well the bible says that death has no sting what does that mean it used to but because jesus died on the cross and we know now that when we if we accept him in our heart as our lord and savior when we die we go to heaven death doesn't have a sting anymore imagine if we really believed all that heaven is the reality that when someone dies It's an upgrade. It's sad for us because we miss some, but for them, it's the greatest trade deal they've ever gotten in their life. Instead of being sick, instead of having a broken leg, instead of having family cuss you out at Christmas, instead of wondering if the world's gonna end, now I'm in heaven with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords celebrating because he's good and it has been well. And it is well. So Jesus shows up to free his children. He shows up to tear down the walls of Jericho. He shows up to bring fire on a wet altar. But he also shows up in a hungry mom's pot of flour. And he also shows up in a desperate mom's jar of oil. Because it will be well. So, this Christmas, this is my last message for the year. God's grace tells us it will be well. Amen. I got so caught up in that, we probably should have sung goodness of God, but I don't know that we have time. Unless you want to. Raise your hand. Anybody want to sing a song? Anybody want to sing a song? That's enough hands for me. All right, band, get up on stage. We're going to sing one more time. Do it quickly so we can get out of here. Um, But God is good, amen? We're going to stand up. We're going to worship. And remember, guys... Sometimes the Christmas season is great, but maybe this is your first Christmas season without someone that you really love. and So maybe it's actually kind of a hard one. Maybe it's kind of a difficult time for you. Maybe it's whatever. But I just want to encourage you, just like the story tells us tonight, like that woman. Her son died, and she told her husband. she looked him in the face and said, it will be well. And so I'm looking all of you in the face. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you may go through, no matter what you have gone through, it will be well. God is good. His faithfulness, his goodness and mercy chase us down every single time. Amen? Wait for Kevin. Just kidding. No, he doesn't need the intro. So Jesus, be with us right now. God, help us to recognize your goodness. Help us to recognize your grace. Uh, God, and help us to know that it will be well. In Jesus' name, amen.